everybody. It's the Blizzard Watch Podcast. We're watching Blizzard carefully, not letting them get away with nothing. Where'd they go? Oh, I lost them. <sighs> Hi, I'm Matt. I'm the host. I lost Blizzard. I don't know what we're going to do now, but here's my co-host, Ann Stickney. Maybe she knows where they are. Did you check the backyard? Check the back. I thought I heard of them course. say that they were going to go out back because it was like really nice out today and they just wanted to have like lunch outside today. I mean, it's probably better. Okay. I'll look. I'll look after the podcast. Okay, we that's fine. The show. That's fine. So, what have you been up to besides that tattoo? Talk about the tattoo. The tattoo is cool. The tattoo is cool, and I'm very happy with it. I actually um, got a tattoo just before we recorded this show. If you're listening to this show on Monday, because that's when we're releasing the recorded shows now, but um, on Friday I went and got a tattoo. Like, <laughs> I, I literally came home and fired up all the stuff for the podcast because mm, scheduling. Anyway, um, yeah, it, it's uh, I I. Mm, can I talk about it without getting all weepy? I think I can, actually. I think okay. I can. Um, the what you have to? My my dad passed away last year, and I'm sure that a lot of you people are aware of that. You are also aware of how much I talked about my dad on the show and in various columns and things and on Twitter. Um, we were really close, and I was taking care of him right up till the end there. He went into hospice, and one of the last days that he was talking and having conversations and generally being funny as all get out, we were sitting outside and um, he started laughing and I was like, dad, what are you laughing at? And he just sort of like gestured at the world at large. And he goes, life is just really strange. And I started laughing because I was like, I, I can't argue with that. <laughs> and he started laughing again and we were just laughing and it was probably like, one of the best moments and one of those things that you'll kind of remember for the rest of your life um but I liked his sentiment I liked what he said I thought it was great and I also had um samples of his handwriting all over the house so I took little bits and pieces from various pieces of stuff that he scribbled out and I cobbled it together and I spelled out life is just really strange and it's on my arm now which is appropriate I can look at it and remind myself if I need to. In case <laughs> you were confused, yeah. In case, in case I'm confused, yeah, it's okay. Life's just really strange, guys. It's all right. It's all good. And yeah, I'm I'm really happy with it. I I'm really really I I I couldn't be happier with it. I'm I'm. And if you want to take a look at it, I posted it on my Twitter. Um, if you're listening to the recording on Monday, just go back to Friday. It's there. I posted it. Anyway, so I'm kind of on a little bit of an adrenaline rush still because I literally just got home from getting this done. Um, so if I seem like a little perkier than usual, that's probably why. But uh, that was my day so far. As far as the week goes, though, dude, Super NES came to yep. Nintendo Online and it happened yesterday. And I was going to watch... just Yeah, why don't we just jump straight into the week then since, since you're going to talk about that anyway? Yeah, uh, I might as well mention let's... it. Um, so Nintendo had their whole, uh, the, their whole presentation this week where they, what do they call it? It's just a Nintendo Direct thing, yeah? Yeah, I think it's just Nintendo Direct. Nintendo Direct. So they announced a bunch of stuff. Uh, one of the things that they announced, which, like I said, I was playing with last night, um, their Nintendo Online service. It's this thing that you can do if you have a Switch, you can sign up for it, and, um, it gives you access to a library of, uh, Nintendo games, like original old school Nintendo games, and you can play those. I've been playing Kirby. Kirby was a lot of fun. They had Lolo in there. My mom used to play Lolo, like, obsessively, so I played that one a little bit, too. It's just like a puzzle game. You're this little blue blob. Anyway, um, super fun. Totally recommend it. If you happen to have Twitch Prime, if you sign up, I think it's before September 27th, they will give you three months of Nintendo Online for free. And if you stick it out and you're still subscribe, you know, if you still have Twitch Prime at the end of that three months, they will tack on an additional nine months. So you get like a year of the service for free, right? It's just games. It's just games you can play on your Switch which is fantastic. Uh, one of the things that they announced at Nintendo Direct yesterday, or not yesterday, day before yesterday, though, was that uh, they were adding a Super Nintendo library. So all of those Super Nintendo games that you think are absolute classics, uh, there's a bunch of them that are on the Switch right now. Um, I was playing uh, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past last night. Super Mario World is on there. Super Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island, that one's on there. Breath of Fire is on there. There's a bunch of stuff on there, guys. And it's all really good. So, uh, yeah, if you have Twitch Prime, make sure that you take advantage of that thing before it goes away, um, because it's, it, it's great. Um, also, 
if you don't have a switch, um, maybe you want to look at getting one because one of the other big things that they announced. Do you want to talk about the other really big thing they announced? Oh, we should definitely talk about that. You want yeah. me to do it? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, well, just straight up, guys. Uh, if you've been thinking, you know, my I, I want to get a switch, but I can't think of anything I could do with it that involves killing people that I know in team-based fighting type shooting things. Well, now you can because Overwatch is coming to Switch, which is just like, I'm actually a little surprised at some of the games that have come out for Switch. And this is one of the ones that's really surprised me. Um, when they put Skyrim on the Switch, I was like, what? But I this get is, Skyrim because it's a single-player RPG. Yeah, this is a team, a team-based multiplayer shooting game. Like, uh, what? And th- they're serious. They're doing it. It's it's happening. Uh, I I find myself wondering: Is it how are they going to do it? Like, I I mean, is it going to be just you know you? Are they going to have multiplayer on the Switch? Are they going to have it just, you know, everybody like joins in together from their own individual switches? How are you going to do it? Because one of the things about multiplayer on the Switch is you have the Joy-Cons and you can kind of have multiple people play on the same platform. So I'm not they, sure how they're I mean, going to do that. They've been doing the kind of FPS thing, though, because Fortnite, you, obviously, you can get Fortnite on the Switch and play it right now. And a lot yeah, of people are yeah. doing that. Um, so that that whole, you know, team-based gameplay, that kind of thing, that's been part of the whole Switch thing for a long time. What I find really interesting is, you know, in, in showing some of the gameplay and the stuff for Overwatch, they had like a little um, cinematic kind of thing where they were showing stuff. Uh, the directional control, like you can change where you're aiming and stuff like that by just like moving the switch. And I think that's really cool. It just, it looks like a really fluid interpretation of the gameplay and everything. And I, I don't know. I'm kind of looking forward to it. I don't know if I'm going to get it though, because the thing is, is like, it's not, it's not cross-platform. No. no um, if not. you're playing on the switch, you're not going to be able to play with people that are playing on PC or playing on Xbox. Is it Xbox? The other one that they're Xbox. I think PS4 PlayStation has it Four as well. has it. Yeah, you you won't be able to play cross platform. Um, unfortunately, you won't be able to do it. But uh, they've been I don't know. They've been messing around with cross platform functionality with different things. So maybe that'll happen at some point in the future. Right now, though, I understand why they're not doing it because I mean I think it's like sixty FPS or something like that on all of the big consoles, but on the Switch it's only going to be running thirty FPS, which should something be like fine. That, yeah. It should be fine and everything, but it could also be perceived as a disadvantage if you're playing against somebody that's running at higher DPS or or FPS, not DPS, FPS, frames per second, animation. DPSs. Yeah. yeah no, DPS that, is something completely different. <laughs> that, that's a that's a fair thing, and I th- I do also think that. You just mentioned the controls are different, like the whole you can just tilt the switch to look up. Yeah. Which obviously you can't do with other consoles. And, and on playing PC. with a controller is a lot different experience than playing with a mouse and keyboard, that kind of thing. You know, it's just it's yeah it's to a the variable... point where people people who were playing on on consoles were using keyboards and mice, and they were had a pretty significant advantage against people who were just using controllers. Yeah. So that's worth keeping in mind. It isn't just. You know, oh, you know, it's not just them being jerks. It's to a degree, keeping those groups isolated keeps that kind of problem at bay. Because there's no, there's no keyboard for the Switch. They it's want just... to keep the gameplay as fair as possible. And this is something that they've been trying to do with Overwatch since day one. It's one of their stated things that they're always working towards is making sure that everybody gets, you know, you play together, play fair, play nice, that kind of thing. And putting somebody who's playing on a Switch up against somebody else who's playing on, like, an Xbox or even, like... A, a super rigged out like gaming PC that has like all the bells and whistles, it wouldn't really be a fair match just because you're using different consoles. They're going to have different performance rates. So consoles, I get it. I get yeah. it. But it's still really interesting that they've, they've done that. It does make me wonder. I mean, this is pure speculation on my part, mm-hmm. but it makes me wonder if one of the reasons we haven't heard from Diablo Mortal in so long is because it would make an ama- amazing switch title. I feel like I feel like that's the natural it, progression with it because if it's a mobile title for a phone or for a tablet, a switch is kind of like along those lines because um, it's a mobile. I mean, it's a mobile gaming console. Yes, you can hook it up to your TV and play with the Joy Cons and everything, and that's a glorious experience. But you can also take it on the go, and that seemed to be what they were kind of 
building towards with Diablo Immortal. So I'm wondering if we're going to get like a switch announcement for Diablo Immortal and a release date at BlizzCon. Both of those things would be great because I'm kind of wondering like, hello, what's up with that game? We were talking about that. We talked about that like last week or a couple weeks ago. Yeah, speaking of that, yeah. might as well jump to the next bit. Um, they just released today the key art for BlizzCon 2019, and they they announced the virtual tickets going on up for sale in a month. Next uh, month, which isn't yeah. a surprise. Yeah, next month it was going to come. We we knew that we knew there was going to be a virtual ticket in about a month. And they October. usually was, yeah they usually do them about a month ahead of time or like you yeah. know a few weeks ahead of time so that they can start launching all the promo materials and stuff before as BlizzCon is kind of rolling out. Yeah, but what's what's interesting about the key art this time mm. is, for one thing, it's got certain people front and center on it that make people wonder. The Diablo 3 slash Diablo Immortal Barbarian, the old grizzled dude who some people say resembles certain columnists on certain websites I couldn't identify, uh, Some that he's right up front and center. He's right there. Uh, Sylvanas is right there. And, you know, there's Tracer. Tracer is the poster girl for Overwatch. She almost always shows up when they're doing overwatch they they usually use tracer which is you know cool i like tracer um but they also had egan stetman from starcraft up there uh he's a co-op commander now so but he's not you, you don't think when you think starcraft you don't think egan stetman i mean it's just it's crazy dude with a beard not usually my first go-to one not a protoss not a zerg not you know grainer it's egan stetman's up there guys uh I, and the real one he for looks me was, real good though yeah no no it's it's a good thing but the real confusing one for me was mechaterial from heroes of the storm because i'll yeah. be up front with you i didn't know that's who that was so i'm like who's the robot i'm like did, are they announcing a game with a robot that, like is this some new thing that i didn't know about like and i was like, no nah, it's mechaterial from heroes of the storm I'm like okay not to be insensitive but haven't they basically been like pulling back pretty hard on heroes of the storm like, I wasn't expecting him to get a big poster shot for the for this year. Well, they want to, like, feature every game in there. That's why they have, like, Elise Starseeker is there for the whole Hearthstone thing. I love the artwork for her. I think it's fantastic. Oh, yeah, it is really good. Actually, for that matter, though, Heroes, like, Her- Heroes is not... Hearthstone's been doing stuff. Hearthstone's got another another expansion coming out, like, any day now. Like, it didn't know. It just came out. It's already out. Um, They, ha- they have the uh, single player, which we'll be talking about soon. Finally, yeah. So, so... I don't know. I I just feel like there's there's a tantalizing amount of what does this mean to this key art? But doesn't it's not like you can just sit down and say, well, it means X because it could mean a bunch of different things. But it definitely makes you wonder the fact that they have the the barbarian front and center up there, the fact that they have Sylvanas up there. People have been debating, you know, what's going to happen to Sylvanas, and we know she's not dying because they said so at China Joy this year. John yeah. Height said straight up, no, she's not dying at the end of this. So. What's her role going to be in the next expansion? Is there going to be an expansion announcement? It feels like there has to be, right? Like, you feel like there's going to be an expansion announcement this year? Yes, absolutely. Or at least a hint at it. If not a yeah, full-on I, announcement, they're going to hint at one. I figured that, you know, we're probably going to get an 8.3 deep dive, since I assume that's going to be at least announced by the time... What I love about the artwork, though, is I love the individual pieces of artwork. And I mentioned on Twitter, I was like, I really love that piece of Elise and I wish it were like sold separately as its own piece of art. And then uh, one of the blizzard community people replied to me and said, they're all going to be like their own posters. You'll be able to purchase them separately. I'm like, yeah. So yeah, if you want something with just the tracer art on it or just the Sylvanas, you'll be able to get it. Apparently yeah. I'm very excited. I'm like, yay, my, wallet, my they, poor when, wallet, but that's okay. <laughs> I just want to know when they managed to get the you know the stuff that you that picture of that barbarian that familiar looking barbarian. I don't know, man. Yeah. But no, it, seriously. What though, was it, the reference for that? <laughs> there are some really the the art's cool. It's very good. It usually is good, and it's good this year. Um, but it does make people wonder. I feel like the hype is starting to actually ramp up now. They've what I really like, um, and I don't know if you noticed this or not, but the uh, background of that image, that if I remember right. It reminds me very much of a piece of key art from like World of Warcraft, like way back in the day. And I think it was like Sunrise over Azeroth or something like that. There's a piece of art that has like the sun coming up over the planet with the. Do you know what I'm talking about? You've seen it before. I know you've seen it before. We've used it in articles before. Yeah. It reminds me of that. And I don't think it's like that piece of art, but I'm wondering if it's like an homage to that. I, I don't know. 
that's what struck me as like interesting and nobody's really talking about it because I'm the only weirdo that probably noticed that. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, it's the the horizon line with the red like the red just like a sunrise or sunset just behind the planet coming up. Yeah, and I think I think I, yeah. the actual piece was called like sunrise over Azeroth or something like or dawn or a new dawn or something. I don't remember. I don't remember. Ugh. I've used it. I've used it in columns before and I yeah, I know what it is. I have to look it up later. I'll look it up later and put it on Twitter. We'll see. See if anybody has any interesting theories. I'm just wondering, like, why that piece? Is that, like, a throwback to WoW Classic? Because, I mean, I think that was key art from WoW Classic, like, way back in the day. I think. Anyway, we should probably move on, because we've got other stuff to talk um, about. Yeah? Speaking of WoW Classic, yeah, we, we definitely do. Um, if you've basically been having trouble playing WoW Classic because you've, you know, happened to get on one of the realms that loaded up really fast and is jam-packed full of people so that you have a 10,000-player queue when you try to log in... Uh, They've already started this. I think they did the first batch the, uh, yesterday. Um, but they're they're doing free character moves. And it's so retro to be doing free character moves. In a way, it, it is so WoW classic. I'm like, this is the classic experience because this is what people were doing way back then. Yeah. They, they've already started. They've, they made some more realms and they've started character moves off of really affected realms. Uh, things to keep in mind is this isn't like in the old days. You can do it from your actual login page. When you log into the game, you're, you'll have the option. If there's a character move on your server, it will provide you the option to do it. So you don't have to like go to a separate site and try and get it to work that way. So they have brought some of the modern autom- automation of the game to WoW Classic to make it work smoothly. And they'll be doing more as time progresses. Just you know, they wanna they wanna even out the population to let people actually play. One of the things they did was they boosted the cap on each yeah. server as well. Yeah. But they still want to like get people onto like other servers to, to spread out the load um, because, you know, WoW Classic is really popular right now. And, and keep so. in mind here, because we are dealing with WoW Classic, there are some restrictions in place that aren't necessarily on play, in place when you do transfers on live servers like Battle for Azeroth servers. So a character can't move if they're a guild leader, if they have an active auction listing or bids of or if they have mail mail is already one of those things that's like kind of like if you've got stuff in your mailbox you can't transfer that's like something that happens on live but um there are no guild transfers you can't transfer like a whole guild like you can do right now like you can pay for a guild transfer service can't do that if you're a guild leader you need to step down and put somebody else in place before you make the transfer um also you can't move a character to a pvp realm if you already have a character there that belongs to the opposing faction. And that's one of those little caveat things that they had with the PvP servers like way back in vanilla where if you made horde a horde character on a PvP server, you were horde and every alt that you made had to be horde. You couldn't make an alliance character and a horde character. It just wasn't a thing. Yeah, they didn't want any even the slightest bit of collusion between the two groups. Right. So, and yeah. also keep in mind that because this is WoW Classic and there are no paid transfers this is a one-way irreversible move so if you decide you want to do this make sure you're really sure that you want to do this before you hit that button because once they move you you're done that's it yeah there's Um, no moving back there's it's not like a paid character transfer where you could pay to even go somewhere else if you don't like where you end up yeah. This is, we offer you this realm and that's it. Yeah, this is, this is the reason it's a free transfer is because it's not, you're not picking from all of the existing servers. They're actually siphoning you to one realm in particular. They're so, putting you on a server with the least amount of people to, to balance things the out. The other thing that's, that I kind of appreciated was that they made like brand new servers. They made some brand new servers for this purpose and they didn't open them up for people to start making new characters on them until the transfers had gone through so that the people that were transferring over could keep their names in theory. Like they could actually keep the names that they had claimed on those. And that was really nice of them. And I'm glad that they did that. So, yeah. Yeah. Because I remember from experience doing a free character transfer back in the day, I had to rename my character and I didn't like it. Yeah. So, yeah, but that's that's something to keep in mind. Um, We should probably talk about the new Hearthstone news because the Tomb of Terror single-player campaign is coming soon, and I think this week's Tavern Brawl was the League of Explorers Tavern Brawl 
which sort of is like a hint at what it's going to be like. I, I ultimately admit I don't play a whole lot of Hearthstone, so I'm not really 100% on what's going on here. I don't know if you did, if you checked it out, in Probably not. But I yeah. did it a glance over, but I'm not really super into Hearthstone right now just because the um, the barrier to entry for people that haven't been playing it religiously seems to be a little steep to me. So it's like, Meh. I'll go in and I'll mess around every now and again, but I don't actually like play it regularly. However, uh, Tomb of Terror, the new adventure, it's got four wings plus a finale and everything actually starts September 17th. Uh, September 17th, you'll be able to get chapters one and two. September 24th, you'll get chapter three. And then on October 1st, they'll launch chapter four and the finale. Um, the first chapter, as always, it's a freebie, so you can go in, check it out, decide if you want it. Um, subsequent chapters are going to be $6.99 each or 700 gold if you happen to have gold squirreled away in Hearthstone. Or if you know that you're going to want the whole thing, and why wouldn't you want the whole thing, you could just get the whole thing for $14.99, which saves you quite a bundle, actually. Um, and that's, I mean, to me, it's like, why not? Why not just pay for the whole thing? If you're going to play it, might as well play the whole thing. Um, there is a pre-order option for the adventure right now. Um, it's $19.99, though, and it throws in a special card back and a random saviors of oldham legendary but there's no decks or anything it's just those two things so honestly i mean just get it for 14.99 when it comes out and then you can go ahead and craft whatever legendaries you want to craft you're fine um i don't think it's any kind of like special it's not any special legendary or anything it's just a random one from saviors of oldham so why not just craft it save yourself the five bucks you're good it's fine. Um, so yeah, the Tavern Brawl is, it's it's weird because it's like, it's a dungeon run style kind of thing. It's a single player mode. You take on the role of Elise Star Speaker, since we're talking about Elise anyway, and you're trying to round up the rest of the League of Explorers so that you can go save the world when Tomb of Tombs of Terror comes out. So it's kind of like a prequel, kind of? Story-wise, it's kind of like a prequel. Um... This is different. I don't think that they've done anything quite like this before. Not to my knowledge, anyway. Well, I don't think so either. But, you know, like I said earlier, I, don't, I haven't played it that much lately. It's kind of neat because Hearthstone has been doing this thing where they're like, they're building their own narrative. And it's a really wacky, weird narrative, but they're building their own narrative. Um, and in doing so, it seems like they're trying their best to kind of like weave things together so yeah i i don't know i kind of appreciate the fact that the brawl sort of leads into the single player adventure that's coming out i think that's pretty neat um yeah and it, i do think you're right too like mm -hmm. i mean blizzard had two 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 examples of trying to build a narrative around a game that didn't originally have one yeah. with both um hearthstone and heroes of the storm and i think hearthstone really is an example of how to succeed at it like they've done really interesting things going all the way back to like the witchwood expansion they've they keep this stuff going they, they've they've kept it going through like the, the villain team up expansion and now this or it's very Hearthstone just embraces the weird and i think that's why i enjoy it so much is like they don't they don't try to make it serious or anything they just fully embrace that this is a bizarre game with a bizarre story and they lean into it and it works it works so well anyway yeah, i I think that's basically, I mean, we have one more thing, which is kind of, this is kind of a corner case. So hang on you know, one second though, because we'll I have one more long. thing to mention okay. Okay, as, as far as like uh, the, the, okay. So if you do the brawl, you can actually earn yourself a saviors of Oldham pack, like pack of cards just by trying the brawl and you get a classic pack for winning a match. So it's worth checking out anyway, even if you're not interested, but it's also kind of a little bit of a preview of what's to come on the 17th. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, definitely log in, check the brawl out, pay attention to what's going on and brace yourselves. Cause like I said, it all starts on the 17th of September. Yay. Okay. Now you can, okay do the other thing well, this one's sort of a side thing people people have been asking us uh one of the things that's happening this week is that torchlight was released torchlight 2 was released for uh the playstation for the xbox one and the switch and torchlight is a series that's very heavily influenced by diablo saying Ye it's very heavily influenced by diablo is like saying that your kids are very heavily influenced by you when you when uh, you hold them up next to each other you can tell <laughs> yeah like uh, Torchlight Two can look at Diablo and go, "Grandpa." I mean, it's 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 that seriously. It's that close. 
Um, and that's because of the Diablo's effect on the action RPG front. But one of the things that we were asked is, you know, how does it compare to Diablo 3? And it's it's a pretty good comparison, quite frankly. Uh, Torchlight 2, when you look at it compared to Diablo 3, it's not Diablo 3. It's not a ripoff of Diablo 3 because it's a lot more like Diablo 2. It, it's very, very distinctly inspired by and to the point where the story of Torchlight 2 is one of the heroes from Torchlight 1 has gone evil and is rampaging across the world and you have to stop him. I mean... so. It's the story from Diablo 2, guys. It, well, and the thing is, is like, that's kind of a cliche fantasy story yeah. anyway. So it's but fine. It's, it's, it's fine. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying, you know, it, it's that's what it is. It's right it's there. Very, it's uh, very similar in many ways, but it's also different. Similar, but legally distinct. In the yeah. Words of, it, it's also know. got, you know, different elements of gameplay and stuff, although it is very much hack and slash collect your loot. But yeah. It's got three talent trees per class. Um, those talent trees will be very familiar to you if you played Diablo 2. It's not exactly the same. They're, they're organized differently. But there's, there's a lot to it that is obviously Diablo-inspired, as is the case for most action RPGs. It does not have the level of polish of Diablo 3 post-Reaper of Souls. Yeah, but Diablo, that's but, a high bar to reach, yeah, honestly. Very few games have that level of polish. Torchlight 2 comes pretty close. Um, it, again, if you hold the two games up to each other, it's not, you don't look at Torchlight 2 and go, blah. It, it has its own vibe. The art style is completely different. It's like Diablo 3 leans heavily into that corpses exploding, gore everywhere, armies of demons getting turned into pulp thing. And Torchlight 2 goes much more for a colorful, cartoonish, exaggerated world. Uh, it actually looks, if you've ever. I'm trying to think of like if you've ever seen that kind of gameplay, if you've ever seen games that that lean more to a cell shaded type look, Torchlight Two has that kind of feel. It it, it is not dissimilar. It's to really other weird too type. because a lot of people complained when Diablo Three came out that it was too colorful and too bright and too cheery or whatever. Even though it's not really, but I guess in comparison to Diablo Two, okay, whatever you you have your thing, but. Um, Torchlight 2 is like a brighter version of Diablo 3 that people were already... Yeah, anyway. It's yeah. like the next Torchlight step 2, on the chain, you know? Torchlight 2 actually reminds me of World of Warcraft sometimes. In yeah. the clunkiness of its body designs, in the color, the colorful nature of it, the fact that there's a steampunk guy, like one of your main classes, the engineer is essentially a steampunk tank. Uh, there's a lot to it that is... It's different. And it's a it's a different experience. It's both are worth playing, quite frankly. I think both are really well suited to the Switch. Peanut Peanut X seven seventy seven in the chat channel says Torchlight is the Telltale Games art style. And yeah, I can see that. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah you could definitely go with that. That's not a bad comparison. I'm trying to think of like, you know, it just it is. It's more bright, it's more it's more colorful. The 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 pets are great. I, I had a badger when I was playing it and I loved my badger. He was awesome. Not only can your badger go sell things for you, it can come back with things that you told it to buy. So Wait, I just always what? love imagining turning Yeah, <laughs> seriously. You have a, a you have various pets. They can be any like there's like eight or nine different ones. I think two more came out afterwards, but I didn't play back then. Uh, like mine like I said, mine was a badger. And I could tell my badger, okay, here's all the junk I've been collecting in this dungeon. I want you to go back and sell it and buy me more potions of identify. And the badger would go and run off and come back with the stuff I told it to buy. You can absolutely do that. So did he buy it? Did he buy it from a human store? Or is there like a badger black market that we don't know about? Well, I assume the badger is going to a human store, but because that's funnier to me is imagining like the guy's running a store, looks over and there's a badger with like a chain, like a giant sword in his mouth. There's just like a queue of a bunch of different animals like waiting in line. (laughs) Oh, that's a lovely greatsword, little guy. Yeah, sure, I'll give you some bonus. <laughs> you know, if, if World of Warcraft decided to steal this idea, I would not be sad. I was going to um, say, uh, hey, WoW team, if you want to make that, like, <laughs> a hunter perk, that would be cool. <laughs> Just, it would be really OP. People would complain. Like, do you know how much people would complain if hunter pets uh, could do that? Oh, yeah. No, it would, yeah. No, but it'd no be great. Would... I would play a hunt. I I would I would keep playing my hunter regularly at that point. Are so, you yeah, kidding the, me? The, the the whole point was we did a thing about it, basically saying they're distinct enough that it's worth playing both of them. They're both good. Uh, Diablo three is probably the more polished of the two. 
but I think to a certain degree, Torchlight 2 might actually be Switch friendlier because it's a little easier to reduce down to console. There's less work to get it to work on the console, I think. Uh, it's already sort of console friendly. I was going to say, wasn't it kind of like designed for that to begin with, really? was like. I mean, for... it was a PC game, but it very always felt controller friendly. It always Did felt they release like it, was... it for, for mobile when they released it for PC or was it a later thing? I, I know it had multiplayer at the yeah. time. I don't know if it had mo- if it was released for mobile at the time. I, just, I, know I can't remember it... if it was one of those ones where it was like a simultaneous release where they had it for the PC, but they also said, here it is for your tablet or your phone or whatever. I don't think it was. Yeah. I can't remember. But... Well, I mean, part of the problem is that, you know, the the company that, that was behind Torchlight folded yeah. uh, and got bought by Perfect was World Games. and Runic? Then... Yeah, it was Runic. Yeah, okay. Um, and And there's... There's a lot of back and forth on that, and the, the the game is now being developed by other people. So you know that sort of thing happens, but it is I think it is worth your time if you're looking for a Switch game to tide you over until Diablo Immortal comes out on Switch, which I'm not saying it will, but if it does, uh, I definitely think it's worth picking up Torchlight too. Did we mention that they're coming out with an Overwatch themed Switch console? No, we didn't. So oh, now hey, they're coming to. out with an Overwatch themed Switch console. It's actually going to be available for purchase. I think if I remember right, that was confirmed. Yeah. I don't actually remember. I didn't see that. I know that it was on Amazon and people were talking about it and then they took the listing down and I'm not sure if they put it back or not, but it was the gray and yellow, you know, the traditional Overwatch colors. Yeah, the Joy-Cons were the Overwatch colors. It looks really, really sharp and it looks really, really nice. And every time they do like a big game release kind of thing, they usually, they like release like a theme switch with it, which always makes me like, I kind of give that the side eye every time because I'm like, well, I can't buy six switches, guys. Yeah, yeah. The the one that I have, the switch that I have, is um, it's Pokemon Let's Go. It's it's that version because it came with the game. Um, but the switch itself, it has like Eevee and Pikachu on the back of it, and I'm like, yeah, I like that. I'm gonna feel okay with that. But if they come out with an Animal Crossing theme switch, I'm gonna be like, man, you know, I'm not gonna switch. get, I'm not gonna get another switch because they're expensive. They are not cheap. <laughs> Uh, that's been keeping me out of the switch so far. Is just yeah. that, that initial buy-in price is more than I. It's can really an amazing, right now. amazing system, though. It's so I love it. I love it to pieces. I love the fact that I can plug it in, play it on my TV just by putting it in a dock. But then I could take it off the dock and just walk around playing my game if I want to. It's it's just the versatility of it. I love it. But then I love Nintendo anyway. So you know. I'm sorry. Yeah, I just I love Nintendo. I just I can't afford the. <laughs> yeah. I can't drop the four to five hundred bucks, you know, investment to get it and to get the game I want, sort of thing. Yeah. But yeah, that's pretty much it for news, I believe. So we can move on to doing some emails. Yeah. Uh, as is always the case, if you guys have an email for us, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or Blizzard Watch, so we know it's for this show. Or you can hit us up on our Discord. We have a Discord channel for podcast and queue questions, and you can say, hey, I got a question, and we will be more than happy to take it and, and answer it on this show. Uh, and reads them for us, so go ahead, Anne, if you don't mind. Yeah, the first one that we've got is from Norcrossus of Coriol Straws. Um, this has like a couple of questions, but um, I think we're just going to do them one at a time. So we'll do the first paragraph, then we'll do the other one. Okay? Sure. Uh, first one says, uh, I have a couple of questions about Warcraft lore, because this comes up every time, whenever we're on a show. It doesn't matter. Anyway, has there been a dungeon ending that left you scratching your head the revamps to both Razorfen Downs and Black Fathom Deep has made me confused in Razorfen the red dragon takes the phylactery of Amenar the Coldbringer saying she will hide it instead of destroying it why? Also, the quest giver in Black Fathom just appears at the end of the dungeon behind where Akumai was it makes me wonder if she was even real what do you have to say to all of that Rossi? Hey guys, I want to take you back to Cataclysm Oh boy! There's a there's a dungeon. Uh, I want to call it the Abyssal Depths, but I can't remember if it's Abyssal Moor or Abyssal Depths or whatever. I think but it's you, a depth. You've done it. Yeah. Yeah. You've, you've, the one where you go in and you eventually, you know, free Neptalon because you saw him get face hugged by Ozimat. Except that once you do free him at the very end of the dungeon, as you're you're killing all the Naga and purifying his waters and fighting Ozimat, Neptalon gets taken anyway. I guess I. This was a dungeon that I never understood what the heck was going on. Like, I seriously spent the entire dungeon... It's like you don't dungeon... kill Azumat. He just says, nope, and takes Neptalon and drags him away. Yeah. It, and I know they addressed it 
by not addressing it in in legion i know that the shaman order hall just kind of goes oh no i'm fine now guys i get that but for years i was like what is the deal with Ozumat and neptalon why did ashara have this happen what was she going for and i've where did he go what were they yeah. doing to him and then we didn't yeah. even get an answer for it sorry yeah so you want to talk about head scratching dungeon endings that's that's in my top one that's my top one um the 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 warlords of draenor black rock mountain revamp that changed it all and made it part of the the story for warlords also kind of oh where you went in and and you had to fight the dragons and stuff at the end yeah Yeah. that one kind of just stops and it's it's a waste of a character in my opinion like you you know the the warlord zayla really deserved better than that like quite frankly i feel like she should have been it's like she got yeah she got away from the raid she got away from the raid just to make it to a dungeon and die there and not even it, it was just not but i guess their plan was to set off bombs to blow up the volcano and make it erupt but it's in the middle of nowhere guys that volcano is very far away from anything that would be even inconvenienced by it. Technically Maybe speaking, Red though, Ridge. I mean, when you think about the fact that the volcano technically goes, like, almost all the way to the Firelands or whatever, if you set it off, it would probably make, like, this giant crater that would affect Stormwind and maybe, Red Ridge. Yeah, maybe, but it just... It, if that was their plan, they really should have made it more clear that, you know, this will be an apocalyptic scenario because it really doesn't. It's just sort of there and you just go and then you're done and you're like, what was that? I honestly felt like this was an example of a dungeon where if they hadn't revamped it, I would have been fine. I would have been perfectly happy if they just left it alone. Uh, and I don't think you should have a dungeon revamp when the revamp makes you wish they hadn't done it. And the, the, so that was how I felt at the end of that one. That was my head scratching. Like, what was the point of this? I think my problem, my problem with some of these dungeon revamps, and it all kind of ties in. I think we were talking about this last week where we were talking about um, how the narrative of a revamp should be its own self-inclusive thing. So like when they did the whole Black Rock thing, they tied it into the Warlord story instead of letting it be its own thing. Meanwhile, you have the revamp that they did to the Dead Mines, which didn't do anything but progress the story of the Dead Mines further and progress the story of the zone. And to me, that worked because it wasn't tied directly to anything that was going on with like Deathwing or anything like that. It was like its own little self-inclusive kind of thing. That was a good revamp and I enjoyed it. Well, I mean, if you were talking about that too, like there's, there's another revamp. They did the Scarlet Monastery revamps in Pandaria. And those are all yeah. obviously not they're not tied to the Pandaria story at all. They're tied to Lillian Voss. They're they're yeah, they're it, it's their own thing. The thing the thing that I always had a problem with, not so much with the Scarlet Monastery, I enjoyed that, but the one that they did with um Scholomance when they revamped yeah, Scholomance yeah. because the end of it was kind of ubiquitous and you didn't really know what happened to Lillian. It just sort of ended. Like, yeah, that's another in that example. Fight, and it was like, well, wait, where'd she? And I mean, she pops up where'd in game she... later. Later on, we find out that oh, she was fine, and now she's back, and everything else. But at the time, it was like, what just happened here? I don't understand. You know, yeah, when it, when a when a raid fight ends and you feel like no sense of closure, that's a problem for me. Um, go and we can go back to one of my first, and this is almost going to be heresy, but Black Rock Depths. Killing um, Emperor Tharason in Blackrock Depths the first time I did it, I had no idea what was going on because I didn't, I didn't know that that was the Princess of, of Ironforge. Oh, yeah, there was no because you, you could get the quest to find out, but I didn't go in there with that quest. I did not know. Oh, that that was a quest. yeah. See, I went in with the quest, so it's like I knew what was up. And even on I the Horde just, side, they explained to you that Moira's yeah. there. Yeah. If you got the quest, great. Uh, I didn't get the quest. I didn't know the quest existed. I hadn't seen it. So I'm like, who is this? And why do I have to like, they were like, you you know, Scythos, that was my character's name, still is one of my characters, but just off tanker. I'm like, what? How am I going to, all right, whatever. So I spent that entire fight with her punching me in the face while the rest of the DPS got to DPS the boss and the healer was like having to heal me and the tank at the same time. And this was, this is a vanilla Alliance run. So we didn't have a shaman. There was no chain heal going on. 
the healer had to switch to me and throw a heal at me and then switch back to the, everyone else and heal that everyone else. That place was such a pain in the butt. I did it on my druid when my druid was like my very first character was a druid healer and that place was so ugh. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You go through a lot to get to the end and then if you don't have that quest you have no idea why this other dwarf is punching you in the face. And why it's absolutely a bad idea to kill her. Like you're like everyone's like, don't kill her, don't kill her. I'm like why why not? Like, why can't I kill her? I can we just kill her so she stops hitting me in the face? No. All right. And so I spent the entire fight getting hit in the face by. So every time I see Moira now, I feel like remember that time you punched me in the face repeatedly while your boyfriend was getting murdered. He was my husband, the father of my child. Yeah. Good talk. Good talk, Moira. I'll see you later. Like I imagine every time she's like champion, I'm like yeah, this is awkward. This is unrelated to your question. Sorry about that yeah. one time I killed your husband. Yep. To be fair, the next time I came to kill him, you weren't there and there was some angry iron dwarf there. So, you know, hey, maybe he was cheating on you. I'm not entirely sure. I don't BRD, know how it BRD was kind of crazy anyway, particularly from the Alliance side because you had to go into it so many times for the Enixia oh attunement oh chain. That was such a good chain, though. It was, so it was good. a good chain, but I did it a lot. Oh, yeah. Because we were, like, getting people into Nixia tune. So, like, every week, it'd be like, hey, Matt, can you tank another? Oh, God, we're going to Blackrock Taps, aren't we? Yeah, we're going to Blackrock Taps. Great. Fantastic. Or when you got a group together, they're like, do we have to do Jailbreak? (laughs) Yeah. Good times. Good times. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, there's a couple of different situations where it's kind of like I I feel like when they do these dungeon revamps and things like that like I said I I think that they need to find a way to like fit it into the narrative without fitting it into the like overall expansion narrative so they need to craft a new narrative for that dungeon instead of crafting a narrative for the entire expansion and and then making the dungeon work with it it's just like with the zones I like it when they do a zone that is like it's it's its own self-inclusive story that doesn't necessarily reflect the main narrative of the of the expansion at all so and that keeps it timeless and i think that's the thing that they really need to work towards is just keeping these things as timeless as possible it's cool and everything when you can like shape a dungeon to fit the main narrative of the expansion but when you do that the minute that expansion is over that dungeon is dated that's it you know so yeah i don't know that's always how i kind of felt about that anyway so the second part of norcrosses is uh, thing here. He said, also, have you noticed that Sourfang has some parallels with Fandral Staghelm? He fought a war against the Courage, he lost his son tragically, and has betrayed the leader of his faction. Thanks for all the podcasts, nor crosses of Coriolis Trust. I mean, if you squint? Yeah, a little I bit. Mean, uh, I mean, I feel like Fandral, Fandral's a very tragic figure in a different way than Sourfang. Sourfang's tragedy is that he endured past so many losses and so many heartbreaks Fandral's is that he had that one big moment that broke him, and he broke. He didn't endure. He it the Fandral, broke him he, irrevocably. Really, yeah, the person you see Fandral as from that moment on is not the same person. I mean, you go there's there's enough. There's not a ton of stuff out about him before, but there's enough. He used to be. He he would argue with with Malfurion, but he was he called him Shando. He he loved Malfurion. Malfurion was his teacher. They were close. I mean, they were argumentative. They they sniped back and forth. During the War of the Satyr, Fandral was like, you know, no, don't. Fandral Staghelm is the guy who told Malfurion, don't check out the pack form. If 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 you're told it's bad by, by the, you know, by, by the Keeper himself, if he's telling you not to do it, don't do it. And Fandral, like, you know, Malfurion ignored him and went and did it thinking, well, I'm the, I'm the Shando. I'm the teacher. I know better. So that's that's something to keep in mind. Fandral, for all his obsession with using trees to fix everything, because that guy the guy never saw a problem he didn't think a tree would fix. Um, he was he was a level headed at one point, and then his son died, and from that moment on he was a different person. And it wasn't just that his son died; it was that his son was ripped in half by a giant bug right in front of Fandral. Yep, right in front of him. And when that happened, it was like Fandral's future. It just he deflated completely. And, and there's a really you see that a... um, in the in the scepter of the shifting sands quest at the very at the very end of it. There's like a there, there's a moment where you see it's a uh, it's a flashback to 
the original War of the Shifting Sands that Fendral featured prominently in, and it took place after his son died and after all of that happened um, and the bronze dragon hands him the scepter, the scepter of the shifting sands and says, you need to hang on to this just in case these gates need to be opened again at some point. And Fandral threw it away. He like shattered it. He's like, I don't need this thing. I'm done with all of you. What good did this do? He was just, it was, it was a father who had lost everything. The only reminder of his wife, the only reminder of his wife, um, the only memory of her, living memory of her, and his son, who he was so, so, so proud of and so attached to. Um, yeah, it's no coincidence that he was so easily influenced later on. Because when you when you see the thing that you need to remember is when you see Fandral Staghelm in WoW Classic, you're already seeing somebody who is under the influence of the old gods. You just don't know it. You don't know, and you don't find out until like years and years and years later. Um, yep. But he's already kind of maddened at that point. And it's not that he's agreeing willingly to work with the old gods. It's that they are appearing to him in the form of his dead son. And promising him that he can have him back. Yeah. And it's all kind of nasty. And Fandral's still... I. Every time we talk about Fandral, I'm like, God, this guy had such potential to be the best villain ever. And they just stuffed him in the Firelands. You know me. It would have been fine if he'd gotten (laughs) to live through the Firelands. Yeah. And I honestly, I also feel this way about Leara. Yeah. Um, She was an interesting character that they kind of like shoved in there just to kind of like shift things along. Yeah. And the problem with both of them is that like with Leara, to a certain degree, Leara was like an indictment pretty much what we're seeing now with the Horde and going into Ashendale. Lyara was that before. She was that during Cataclysm. Because her daughter, Astaria, Fandral's last living relative, by the way, died when the Horde started firebombing Estranar. Yeah. And she went, and she snapped. She was like, no. And she was enraged at Malfurion because Malfurion wasn't doing anything about it. And that's a good point. Malfurion wasn't doing anything about it. He kept trying to do the neutrality thing. He kept trying to, like... The scenario circle welcomes everyone. We'll stay out of this war conflict thing. He'd sort of forgotten who he was. He'd forgotten his roots. And I mean, look at look at what happened. Even when we when we went to the Firelands in Cataclysm, there was that whole thing there that the precursor to going to the Firelands, where we did like that whole assault thing. And Malfurion, despite everything that had just happened and everything that was going on, was perfectly okay with taking both Horde and Alliance and having them help him out there. Even though all of this had happened. And that's, I mean, this is part of what makes Fandral, what made Fandral such an interesting character to me, is that he openly talked down to Rhonda and kind of defied Malfurion. And obviously he had Malfurion imprisoned or whatever, right? But he openly did this kind of thing. And yes, he was maddened and kind of influenced by the specter of the old gods that is true but at the same time he had some excellent points oh he totally did because Fandral is very much one of those characters who was night elves are the superior race we should not be talking to anybody else we should not be making alliances with anybody else we should be doing what we've always done living in the shadows of the forest and eking out our best lives and he has a point there because what started happening when Malfurion and Tyrande allied with these outside races? How much have the Kaldore suffered in just the last 10 years in game time? Yeah, like, he, he has a point. He has a point. And I think I mean, that's why I was like, this guy would make an excellent villain because he has that point. You know what I mean? I'm not down with the racism. Yeah. But his point about the night elves are not getting a lot. I mean, it's the same point Maiev had, and we got a redemption from Maiev. Maiev's right there in the in the middle of the night elves right now. Quite frankly, if Fandral showed up still alive right now, I could actually see him working with them because he'd be like, "Do you believe me now?" Yeah, and they'd be like, "Yeah, go ahead, burn the horde, burn them. Just you know, you and your fire elves, burn everybody. Go for it." Do you see what all of this did? Do you see how the Alliance isn't sending anybody to help us? Gilneas is showing up just because we bailed them out. But we wouldn't even have had to bail them out or go through any of this if we hadn't actually, like, allied with these people in the first place. If we'd just done our own thing. 
Yeah, I can imagine, like, even if you don't have him working with uh, Toronto Malfurion, you could totally set up a, a faction of, of Night Elves who go over to Fandral and his side because, you know, he, he's Dissidents. right. Yeah. And this is you one of those totally things. And... This was one of those things that I was always kind of like, so sort of hoping would happen eventually at some point. Because, like I said, I was really enchanted with Fandral Staghelm back at Classic, and it wasn't that I liked the character. I just thought he was a really fascinating character. He absolutely was, and there was all this potential here. And I was like, the night the, there could be like this kind of Caldera civil war thing going on, and that could be the setup for something really interesting. And then they stuffed him in the firelands and yeah i'm still bitter about that i am really sorry you guys we're, we're just like babbling on about that we should probably go to another email huh yeah, sure that, that makes sense okay um let's see here these are all really long we're gonna go down to this eh, sure why not do this tinfoil hat thing because it's not really lore related necessarily well it is kind of a little bit this is from Bu Manchu, a 120 Zandalari monk, who says, I have an awesome tinfoil hat idea that I wanted to run by you. When we took the survey for Blizzard, it said that a level squish is coming. I want a way for Blizzard to work that into the lore, and here's my thought. We go to fight Nazoth at the end of Battle for Azeroth, and it's in Neolotha, or something similar, but it's a trap, and he seals the Valiant Heroes away in the Shadowlands, or something similar to his own prison, and we have to navigate this new world to gain back our powers and return to the land of the living, or use the Emerald Dream to return Azeroth back to its original state, which would in turn restore us maybe either way i think they could easily work the level squish into the lore at this point and that would feel more rewarding than just oh i have to grind a 60 again because numbers feels bad man any thoughts would be appreciated thanks for your time view man too without going into all of that do you think that tying a level squish into the story like narratively do you think that sounds like a good idea honestly it's better than the alternative which is often just Okay, everything, everyone's items just got squished. We logged in. All the numbers are lower. You know. Yeah, they did. They've done that twice now, I think. Um, and in terms of the thing about doing it narratively is you have to figure out when you're going to be doing it narratively. You can't do it during the expansion. It has to be day one of the expansion. So the time to do it is actually in the pre-expansion period. The time to do it is that month or so before the next expansion comes out. Make it part of that event. So the whole pre-expansion event ends with that level squish. Yeah, like when we did the uh, the artifact thing and we used all our artifacts power to stabilize you know, the sword and keep the planet from dying, we didn't immediately lose our, our artifacts. They didn't turn to lead that second. We got like two weeks to get to play with them at like supercharged level. And then then we didn't have it. Yeah. So I think that's there's there's merit to this idea. I do think making it part of the story would make it palatable in a way that just having it happen wouldn't. I've been kind of annoyed. I, I felt like the artifact thing was cooler because it was because of my character's actions, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, it, it didn't just it wasn't just boom, your artifact doesn't work anymore. It was OK. The planet's going to die. We got to get together and do something, you know, and you're there holding up your artifact and you help save the world. That and there's least... that really cool little cutscene that plays out and all that. Yeah. Yeah. So I do think there's there's merit to this idea. I do think it has to happen in the pre-expansion. It can't be part like you can't log into the expansion at level 120 and and gain experience and be questing and then get thrown to the Shadowlands and now you're level 50. That no, that would feel extremely bad. It needs to be you need to know where you're going with it. It needs to go like to, to happen immediately if it's going to happen. Like you need to the first day of the new expansion. You already need to have had this happen. It needs to either be a prologue or an epilogue, and a prologue is probably the preferred method. Yeah, and in really, if it's a prologue, it is an epilogue because that's the way WoW works. It's kind of like the bridge um, between yeah, the two. It's the yeah. epilogue. Yeah, the the epilogue to BFA is the prologue to uh you know matt rossi's fun time happy adventure expansion i don't know what it's gonna be called uh, <laughs> the one the in Black which he Empire. still does not get his shoulders <laughs> oh no shoulders at this point i don't even wear oh, shoulders on my characters God. yeah but but no i i do think there is merit to that and i do think i do think it's it's cool when they manage to make game mechanics and game lore work together and sometimes like i don't know this is kind of a tangent i don't know how much time we have so I'll just say that sometimes with stuff like the faction divide or whatever, it feels like we just have it because game 
and the lore could move on, but the lore doesn't because the gameplay won't let it. And I like it when the two things dovetail and instead you get the lore and the gameplay working together. So I would I would be interested in that kind of thing. The only issue that I see, and I, I understand your point, I agree with your point, but the only issue that I see is what if this happens to, has to happen again in the future? They're going to have to come up with a whole another narrative for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and how that's, often that are true. they going to have to do this? How often will they need to do it? Or I, Honestly, though, I kind of been thinking about that in terms of it's possible to do this without... I, I feel like WoW needs to pursue expansions without leveling. Which would be and weird. It would be weird, but you could have an expansion that and that I think has... That the, I think that the only reason... When I say it would be weird, I think the only reason that it would be weird is because we are so accustomed to the leveling experience as it has been for the past 15 years that, yeah, yeah and, it would feel weird. But a lot of that stuff could be brought in without levels. Like, you could have new zones to go play in immediately, and you could have zone stories, and you could have unlock stuff. I mean, but heck, look at doesn't... Suramar. Suramar was like an entire zone with an entire story and everything else. You didn't level in yeah. that zone. You got to that zone at max level and just played through it. I think Suramar is a really good example of the kind of thing. Or, or for that matter, Argus. Like, imagine an entire expansion made up of pieces like that, where you, you get, like, your starter zones, and you unlock stuff, you move through them, you get dungeons and, and raids you're going to do, and you don't level. And that means you don't have a, the, the power creep. You have some because the gear gets better. So you're still going to have to think about it, but it would be okay to occasionally. And I'm not saying you have to give up leveling forever. I'm saying, imagine if next expansion, we didn't level. And then the expansion after that, we did. Now it's still going to be an eventual problem, but it's not necessarily. It, WoW is already 15 years old. And we're talking about this level squish now at the end of 15 years. If we have to do it again in 15 years, that's not too bad if the game is I still guess, around. Yeah, because it's not the same thing as the kind of creep that you get with item levels. Because item levels, those those the item squish thing that becomes a problem fairly quickly within like an expansion or two. Yeah, yeah. But the leveling power curve, we're at level one twenty now, and we're now talking about it for the first time. And it almost feels like we're mostly talking about it just because some people don't like big numbers. It doesn't really feel like we're talking about it because it's an actual problem for the game. Do you know what I mean? Like, so it's not a problem if, if so had... much as it is like, well, like you said, people don't like big numbers. The thing is, is if you have a brand new player that comes in, never played the game before, sits down to start playing, dings, you know, level two or whatever, and then realizes they have another what 118, 118 levels yeah. that sounds really intimidating it just in your brain that kind of like has an almost like a negative connotation because it's like wow i'm going to be doing this for a long time even if you aren't and the 1 to 120 experience you could do it it's it doesn't take long it doesn't take anywhere near as long as it used to but like yeah it but still it's, it's sounds still... like a lot you know yeah, so, th I mean, I do think that, you know, if we ended up doing a level squish now and then the next level squish was in 10 years, we're in pretty decent shape. I mean, because that means this game is going around in 2030. I don't, I've not, that's crazy to think about, thinking about this game being around in 2030 and still a going concern. So People are still playing. Oh, yeah, people, WoW Classic, man, you know. Yeah. I didn't see that coming. So, Maybe it's not that big a problem. Like maybe if you have to do a level of switch now, go ahead and tie it into the game lore. And then, okay, maybe in 10 years, you'll need to think of another one. But I don't know. I, I don't see it as a major problem. Okay. Well, that's going to wrap us up. We're kind of over time here. So we're going to go ahead and wrap up the show here too. Blizzard Watch. It's made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. And your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. And just to add, next week's show, the live show will be taking place. I'm going to be out of town and I won't be back into town until like late afternoon on Friday. Um, it also happens to be Friday the 13th, so this just sort of feels appropriate. We're going to be doing the stream, a late night stream. I think we said, was it 9 p.m. Central? Yeah, 8, eight Mountain we said, so yeah. Yeah, okay, so 9 p.m. Central is when the live show is going to happen for people that like to tune in on Twitch. And if you've never tuned in and ca caught the live show on Twitch, hey, next Friday night, 
go ahead and mark off a little time. Come say hi. We appreciate that kind of thing. Um, and that's it. Back to you, Rossi. Sorry. Thank you very much, Ann. Uh, again, guys, if you have something for the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or Blizzard Watch. Uh, we'll be rolling over the emails we didn't get to this week into next week, but more are always welcome. Uh, you can also hit us up on Discord in our podcast and Q channel and ask questions there as well. We're more than happy to get them. Thank you guys very much for being here. Uh, this has been the Blizzard Watch podcast, and we will talk to you next week.